Welcome to the Missouri Valley's Mobilizing Voices for Change. I'm Kelly Burke and joining me today for this all-female edition is Missouri State Head Women's Basketball Coach Amaka Agugua Hamilton, Illinois State Head Women's Basketball Coach Kristen Gillespie, and Illinois State Volleyball Volunteer Assistant Coach Tiffany Jackson. Ladies, I am so excited to have you on this roundtable and thank you all for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. All three of you played collegiate sports and your respective sport. As someone who now has been on both sides, as a student athlete and as a coach, how has being a female student athlete evolved from when you were playing? And Amako, let's start with you. Well, I think, you know, women are, are starting to, I guess, gain more respect now, you know, obviously, I'm not saying back in the day they didn't. I just think that now it's just, you know, our sport has grown, um, you know, from the WNBA on down to co uh, collegiate levels and even just division two, II, division three. I just think that you're seeing more um, games televised. You're seeing more games. I think um, ESPN three and ESPN plus has really helped us because you can watch so many games, but um, you know, it's just more visible, you know, way more visible. When I played mid-majors, you, you had like one or two TV games you know, all year where now, you know, fans can watch every game if they want to just because of technology and everything. So I think that that's helped grow our game. And then people have realized that, you know, the women's game is exciting. You know, it's always been exciting, but I just think that now that we can actually get our product out there, um, you know, our fan base is growing. Tiffany. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to apologize to my, my coaches, <laughs> just being on the other side. I apologize for all that I put you all through, but um, I agree with coach, which is uh, the, the game is, is evolved so much. People really want to watch women's sports. Um, my, I have two older brothers and they're like, when's your next volleyball match? Like uh, I just watched, you know, Florida, I just watched this and these girls are amazing. And they're just amazed by the physicality of the sport and what us women are able to do. You know, and it's, I love it, you know. Kristen. Yeah, I'd have to agree with, with both of these women. You know, it's just, I think the role of social media too plays a big part. Everything is so instant. You can go on Twitter and see, you know, different clips and, and everything. But I, I mean, I remember uh, in 96 when I was at uh, NC State, yes, I'm dating myself right now, but uh, the Olympic team was making their rounds. We got to have an exhibition game with them. And I was just in awe, like Jennifer AZ. And, you know, the, the players that I grew up, you know, uh, idolizing, uh, I was getting to, to see them, you know, firsthand. And, you know, that, I think that's so different because it was so tough when I was growing up to find female athlete role models. You know, you turn on TV, come from a sports family. My dad was a coach. We watched basketball all the time, but I loved Johnny Dawkins. I wanted to play for Duke, Duke men. I, I didn't know Duke women even had a team. Uh, but I remember Stanford, I saw them play and I saw Jennifer Azy and I was just like, man, this is what I want to be. So, you know, I just, I think it's, I'm just so fortunate that uh, this generation of young girls get to grow up and have some uh, better access to really strong female role models. And side note, Kristen, I thought of you last week with the, the big NC State upset on the road to South Carolina. That was awesome. I know Coach Yao was smiling down. I remember 2007, the last time NC State beat a, uh, a number one uh, ranked team with Duke in the ACC tournament. So brought back some great memories, but kudos to, to Coach Moore and, and the Wolfpack. They got it rolling. With your own teams, given the events and the attention brought to race and social justice issues over the last eight months, how have each of you encouraged your own student athletes' voices and their power to create change? And Tiffany, let's start with you. Um, Leah Johnson does a phenomenal job at giving everyone their voice, you know, empowering everyone to just speak up and speak out and teaching. I think when everything started, uh, she immediately was like, we need to talk about this. We need to learn about it. And um, just talking to the, the young ladies, I'm like, if you don't know, ask questions, research, read. You know, um, I don't say look at the news too much, <laughs> but you know, just make yourself aware of what's going on and speak up. 
like you have your voice, you're the future, use your voice. So that's, that's what I tell the girls. Kristen. I have to agree, Leah, Leah's top notch. That's my girl right there. Uh, no, when everything happened uh, it, at the end of May, you know, I think every, our, our whole world's, uh, I know mine, and that's probably a really ignorant viewpoint got turned upside down because I know uh, uh, people of color in our, in our country and in, in the world we live in, this is just another day. And it just hit differently. And I remember the, the day after uh, George Floyd's uh, murder, I called uh, former athletes, I called Simone Goods and, and Katrina Beck and Brian Livingston. And I just, I want, number one, I just want to know if they were okay. How were they feeling? And just ask about their experience, ask. And, and I was, you know, I was kicking myself, like, why, why does it take something like this to, to make me ask these questions? And I got such great insight. And we had similar conversations with our team. And I knew before I could really dive in, I had a lot of inward, I had, I had to educate myself. Um, you know, I, I read everything I could get my hands on and I still know that's not good enough, but for me to lead and for me to be able to have these conversations, I knew I had to educate myself and I really encouraged our team to do the same. Um, you know, this, everything is at your fingertips now. You know, there's some really great documentaries, there are great TED Talks. There's so many things if you don't like to read, which I know a lot of our players do not. I've tried book clubs, they've gone okay. Uh, there's different ways you can, you know, educate yourself and just, you know, I wanted our women of color to be heard and, and I wanted to hear their thoughts and make sure they knew uh, that we were here for them. And it just, it ignited a lot of really honest and tough conversations uh, for all of our program. You know, some players are from some areas that are a little bit smaller and, you know, they, they've really never been exposed to things like this. So. Uh, it, it's an, a daily occurrence for us. We have to get better every single day. It's not something that's, you know, oh, it's season, we're putting this back. Uh, you know, we try to do something, we're, we're really deliberate with our actions. Maka. Yeah, um, you know, obviously I've talked about this a lot, um, especially here in my community mm -hmm. uh, of Springfield, um, which is historically a very conservative community, um, but we, we know, my family and I, we've always felt safe here. We've always, you know, everybody's welcomed us with open arms. But, you know, when, you know, all, when the whole George Floyd thing happened and, uh, you know, I guess the country started, you know, I guess for lack of a better word, we were in this, we were in this like modern day civil war, right? And either you were racist or you're not, plain and simple. You know, when all that stuff started happening, I obviously, like everybody else, we were, um, quarantining so I had to do it via zoom but met with our players um, and I my, my first thing was just to create a safe place and make sure there was like a no judgment zone and um, which is who we are anyway that's how our family's built here and just make sure everybody could you know voice their their opinions their concerns their experiences their fears whatever it was and it was very powerful actually and had a lot of tears you know we had some players that um, obviously you know some that were not from diverse backgrounds or things like that, but obviously didn't have a prejudiced heart, but just didn't really um, relate with what was going on because it wasn't happening to anybody close to them. So they could turn on the TV and be like, oh, that's wrong. But it didn't really hit them until they started hearing their sisters and their coaches, mother figures, aunts, uncle figures, um, talking about our experiences and it broke people down. So it was, it was an educational session, but it was also just one that brought us closer as a team. and our players really wanted to do something about it um, and just try and do more in the community to affect our own community that can maybe affect the next one and the next one, and the next one. So, um, you know, we've done a lot in the community. I've done a lot of talking about this, but it's something that I feel like people have to have a lot of sensitivity with and also not run from it. Like, cause the truth, it sucks. And what African-Americans have been dealing with for centuries, it sucks, but there's so many, there's so many differences that people don't even know. Like, even just when it comes to driving a car. Like when I was being taught, you know, how to drive a car, I was also taught what to do if I got pulled over by a police, you know, keep your hands on the steering wheels, roll down all the windows, you know, don't reach for anything. Things like that where some of our, you know, white brothers and sisters aren't taught that because you don't really encounter that, you know, and it's just a completely different, um, you know, scenario that we have to just live with. You know, I've been in places where I've been followed, even 
you know, it doesn't matter. Even as a coach, I'm not even talking about as a kid, you know, I've been in places where I've been followed in a grocery store or in a, in a shop or in a shopping mall, whatever. Um, I've been pulled over, just racially profiled many times in my life. And then um, they may figure out who I am or, you know, whatever it is, but it happens. And it's something that we, it's almost like it's normal for us. It shouldn't be normal, but it is. So I just think it's, people need to understand and the education piece um, is, the, is the biggest piece of this and not to get defensive, but to see like, how can we help and how can we um, just really focus on love rather than hate, you know? And so that's just what we've been focusing on. And we've been doing a lot. I mean, we have a program called Lab, which is our uh, Life After Ball Life Skills Program. And we had one earlier this year because it's police brutality is real. And, you know, it's, you can't generalize, just like you can't generalize a race. You can't generalize a whole profession, but there are some bad cops. There's bad people in every uh, profession. So I wanted to also make sure that now everybody is not scared of police officers or, you know, just try to change the narrative a little bit. I think we have to have more communication with law enforcement, you know, at a younger age from elementary up and then also with our players. So I had some police officers come in and they happen to be female because I'm always big on women empowerment too. And they came in with their, you know, uniforms on and everything and they talked to our players and they talked specifically about women empowerment and just how to, you know, um, how to face adversity and, you know, conquer your fears and be successful in a male dominated field. And it was very powerful because they didn't really, we touched a little bit on the police brutality piece, but it was very powerful to see women police officers talking about just their experiences of even just trying to get pregnant and have kids and things like that and being judged and they're in police uniform. So it changed the narrative a little bit. Oh, they're real people, you know, and it's not just they're out to get, you know, African-Americans or they're out to do this and do that. So my whole thing is just bridging the gap. That's my biggest thing. Um, and within our program, I try to do as much as I can in the community. I try to do as much as I can, but you know, I'm just super hopeful all around, uh, this, this time around, because I feel like every, well, not everybody, but more people that are not affected as far as non-African-Americans are outraged. So I just feel like that's why we're seeing change as a nation, as a whole. So I, I'm really optimistic about the future. I'm like actually happy of what I'm seeing and not to get political because I always tell our players, you can, you can vote for any party you can vote for. I never tell them who to vote for or anything like that. But when, when uh, the vice president elect walked on the, on the stage, I don't care who you're voting for, for women period, that is, that is a huge win for women. You know, it's almost like we just arrived. Like we now it's, we can do whatever, you know, whatever we put our minds to. So that's what I told our players. And then, and then it's an African-American woman on top of that. So to me, that is a huge win for women all over the place. Um, no matter if you're Republican, Democrat, whatever. Um, so just little things like that. I feel like we're taking steps in the right direction. And I think it's just up to us to continue to educate our young people and then empower them so that they can be whatever they want to be in life. It's, it's interesting that, that you mentioned Kamala Harris, because I remember um, watching on Twitter when she got, she was out for a run and you, you all three probably have seen this video, but she was on a run and she got the call that, that they had won. And just seeing her reaction on the phone, uh, I mean, it just, it gave me chills when she found out, okay, it's a done deal. Exactly. Yep. I've seen the video as well, you know, and it really is, honestly, it's just like, we, and it's not a first lady, you know, we actually have a woman that's representing our country in that, in that seat. And that, to me, that's just unbelievable, you know, and I just think that if that can happen, then women, you know, you, whatever you want to do, you can definitely do it, period. Absolutely. The next question is for all three of you again. Just last week, Sarah Fuller, who is the Vanderbilt soccer player turned emergency football kicker for, for the Vanderbilt football team. She became the first woman to kick in a power five football game. It was a big deal. Yet amidst all the media attention, there were plenty of misogynistic comments. When the three of you see a faction of men trying to tear down women in sport, because this happens quite a bit, whether it's Sarah Fuller or other females in sports, what would you want those men to understand about their actions? And Amako, let's start with you. Well, first of all, I, you know, even just before this whole pandemic summer, you know, racial stuff, I always tell our players, as a woman, you have a strike against you 
And as a minority woman, you have two strikes against you. So you have to work that much harder to be heard, seen, and just to be successful. So there's always going to be people tearing you down. There's always going to be people, people that don't believe in you. And that's, we're just kind of the bottom of the totem pole. That's just how it is, you know? And so that's why I'm so big on women empowerment. And when I saw that, you know, that she was going to be in a power five football. Well, first of all, I was like, I hope she doesn't get hurt because those are some big guys out there. But, you know, with the position that she was playing, obviously there's a low chance of that. But I just thought that that was amazing, you know, and I sent that as soon as I saw it on social media, I sent it to our players. And again, it's just, you know, there's no ceilings with this stuff, you know. Um, but it, as far as like just the, the the men that are making those kind of comments and and trying to degrade and demean, you know, something that's like a historical breakthrough for women. Honestly, I just, th those kind of people, I, I try not to pay too much attention to them, right? I just feel, I feel like we need to focus on love way more than hate, you know, and focus on, you know, just, just the positives of that situation. And so that's what I do with our players again, but I do let them know that's what's going to happen. No matter what, we got kids that want to be doctors, kids that want to play pro kids that want to be lawyers. Well, you're going to be, those are all male dominated fields and you're going to be overlooked maybe a million times before you actually get to the, where you need to be or get the respect that you deserve. So um, I just think it's important to, to continue to put that in the forefront for them. I mean, in Hillary Clinton's book, she talks about how every woman has fears, every woman has self-doubt, self-conscious problems, all that stuff, you know, but how you, how you work through that and overcome that is going to depend, I mean, it's going to, um, dictate how successful you are. And I always talk to our players about that because we all, I mean, everybody has self-doubt and everybody has insecurities and things like that. But if you allow, especially men to feed that, then yeah, it's going to bring you down. But if you can work on, and that's why we love basketball, it's a microcosm of life. If you can work on those skills now, you'll be successful in the future. Kristen. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, it just blows my mind that people number one, that they have that much time to say some of the ignorant things that they ha they say. I mean, I, I would love to know if they ever played organized sports or, I mean, seriously, I, I can only picture what these people, I won't even go there, but anywho, uh, like what Coach Mock said, like, don't even, we just preach, don't pay attention to those people. You know, it's just, uh, we always talk about fighting for that headspace, you know, and you, it, it, that is the most valuable thing you have is what's going on between your ears and, and it's a skill and it, it is, it, it's so precious and you have to control that narrative and, you know, uh, put, just pump it full of positive thoughts, you know, you know, be, who are we surrounding ourselves with? Are we surrounding ourselves with people that uh, are uplifting? you know, and, and empower us. And I think it's just, it's so sad because what an unbelievable opportunity, uh, uh, just a, such a cool thing. Once again, like I talked about little kids now, little girls have uh, such a different hero now. Like, you know, I saw on Twitter, uh, I want to say it was one of the bears, maybe uh, front office. Uh, he posted a picture of his like eight or nine year old daughter, full gear, full uniform bears and said, daddy, I can really do it now because she watched it, you know, like that's the, that's a win. And I just, who cares what those ignorant, you know, guys are saying there's a new generation of girls that think now that they can play for the Chicago bears. Well, maybe a better team, maybe a team that can win a few games. I don't know. Uh, I'm a huge, huge bear fan. So I can say those things, but I don't know. We preach to our kids, you know, you got to fight for that in, in value who you listen to value, you know, social media, it is, oh, sorry, Beckett is put, trying to put his two cents in. Uh, we live in a time where there's so much social media and it can be a positive, but can be the worst thing for, for student athletes and in, in, in all individuals, but you got to be so mindful of what you're going to take in, what you're going to read, because a lot of it is just garbage and it's not worth your time. Tiffany. Yeah, I'm all for tuning out the noise. Um, and surrounding yourself with positivity. Uh, I agree with what coach said. A lot of times those people never played a sport in their life. You know, um, women nine times out of 10 can do a better job at, you know, certain skills and are better at certain things because we're more detailed, <laughs> you know, and we just want it more. We have a lot behind us and in our heads and we just want it more. And to get that opportunity, um, I'm glad she was prepared. You know, you have to be prepared. And when it's your time to shine, yeah, don't hold back. So 
that was super amazing. I still can't believe it. You know, it's like, oh, is she really, is she really doing this? But she is. And I have two younger nieces who I tell all the time, you can do anything. Like that's not for boys. And this is not just for girls. I can't stand that, you know, like, yeah, I can do this. I don't need anyone to do this for me. I can do this. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you. As a follow-up to all three of you, and, and Tiffany, we'll stay with you to start. What kind of positive personal experiences have, have you each had with men who championed you? My brothers at a young age. Oh, my brothers. Um, my father, uh, they never let me do anything just to do it or just to get by or you, you know they almost made me do always made me do it right if i was going to do it and i was going to commit to it you have to do it right so um good wasn't good enough <laughs> and some may not agree with that but it just instilled in me to strive to be the best you know um <laughs> my oldest brothers basketball was not my thing but i come from a basketball family so when I first started out, it was a lot of pressure on me to just, you know, shoot the ball this way. And I'm like, you know, but I'm a girl. I'm not strong enough. No, shoot the ball this way. This is how you do it. So uh, they were they were pretty hard on me and it, it all paid off <laughs> at the end. It all paid off. But um, man, they they just really pulled the best out of me in more ways than one. And that's something that I take into coaching or, or anything, changing a tire, whatever. Like uh, it stays with me to this day. So. Kristen. Uh, I know uh, after Kobe passed away, uh, the, the term girl dad was coined, but uh, I, I would I would challenge that I I had a, a, a girl dad long before that that term uh, came about my father he was a basketball coach he's he's retired but I mean I have an older brother and I did everything that my brother Mike did I just I, I thought that's what we do my mom's a real hero because she didn't balk about it she just let me do I mean god forbid some I mean I asked for Jordans for Christmas. I had to have my dad's team shoot. I mean, I was the only girl in third grade that had to have the first pair of Jordans. And thank goodness my, my parents saved up and bought them for me. And they didn't even, you know, that was just okay for them. They didn't, my mom didn't, wasn't like, why do you want that? But I just, I mean, my fondest memories uh, of my childhood are going to my dad's practices and riding the bus on his, uh, you know, with his team. To, he was a high school coach at the time. And you know, it was just the norm in, in sitting and, and listening to him talk to his coaches. And I sat on the bench in his games, you know, I was, I was a little girl. I always say I was the, I was a little girl in remember the Titans, uh, you know, that was throwing out plays and yelling at players from the stands and whatnot. But I just, that was normal to me. And, you know, my dad made that normal and it wasn't, you know, I didn't even realize as silly this is that I was a girl around all guys. And, you know, I really thought I was going to grow up and play for him. I, I had no idea that, you know, I was going to have to play for the girls team and, and whatnot, but, you know, he, as a coach, he was never hard on me. And, and this was, why I'm so appreciative of my dad with, and I know my brother would say the same thing. He let us make our own decisions in sports. And, you know, I fell in love with the game of basketball and I was the quintessential gym rat. And he, poured into that, but it was never, Hey, you have to do this. You have to do that. You know, he let me know if you want to be good, these are the things I would suggest. And, and I kind of ran with it, but I don't know. I just, every big moment of my sports career, my dad was there, you know, and you know, my favorite memory is, uh, he found a way on, on the court in Dayton, uh, in 1998, when we upset Connecticut to go to the final four. And I'll never forget that hug. And he was just crying, uh, it, it just, that moment in t that will just be, that'll be probably the most precious moment I have with my father, because I know how hard he worked, uh, in his career and what the type of dad he was to, to give me all these opportunities. And it was just all those little moments just culminated into that one big moment. So for me, it was my father. Maka, I, I know you come from a, a big family. Huge family, huge family. Um, so. First, I want to first I want to say on record that Kristen said she's a Bears fan. 
Hey, 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 I hey, that was a huge win over me. I am. I, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a I'm a Lady Bear fan. All but like two nights of the year. How about that? No, I'm a Maybe fan. three if we see each other in the in the tournament. How about that? <laughs> I'm a fan of yours too. I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, no, I come from a huge family. Obviously, uh, we've talked about that before. But I have so many, um, so many men in my life that have impacted me. My brother is probably, you know, one of my best friends. That probably is my best friend. And growing up, I was always with him. Um, you know, he he introduced me to every single sport. Um, so we, you know, we played soccer, tennis, ran track, football, basketball. Did it all. I was always the one girl with my brother, my cousins, and all them. So, you know, it was never, you can't do this because you're a girl. It was always like, oh no, she's good. She's good. You know, that kind of thing. So I, I never really encountered those, those, uh, I guess those roadblocks or barriers with people telling me I couldn't do something or men telling me that. Cause it was just, it was always like, you better do it. Like <laughs> that was kind of the way we grew up. Um, and then my dad was that kind of guy too. Uh, so I was more challenged, like, you know, to, to meet, meet standards rather than you can't do it. Um, that's just kind of how we grew up. And then that trickled into my high school coach, who was like a second father to me, too. And, um, you know, one of my biggest supporters still is. And then um, in today's times, obviously, my husband is is the biggest supporter in my life. And he he just um, I mean, he thinks that there's no limit to what what I could do. He's always pushing me to strive to be better and, you know, just reach new heights. So I actually have been blessed to have men in my life that, you know, recognize that there are no ceilings and that I can, you know, continue to break through barriers. Kristen, this next question is for you. You said something at media day that really stood out to me. And you mentioned that when you were playing for KEL, you didn't see a ton of coaches who were moms and that at the time it was unheard of to have a female coach that was a mom and was gay. Um, and so you are, you're, you're a perfect example because you're married to Brit and you're the mom of Emerson and Beckett. Yes. What do you hope to role model for your players? Man, uh, you know, just for all, like, yes, I, you know, the intersectionality of my life. Yes, I am a coach and I am a mom and I am a wife and I, and I happen to be gay. There's so many things that make me who I am, but you're right. When I was in college, it was just, it was few and far between to see moms, you know, there's ton, ton of dads in coaching. Uh, and then, you know, just the whole shift. And, but I think it goes back to our society shift over the past couple of years of just being a little bit more accepting. Um, you know, that's something I'm really proud of. You know, it's something that uh, earlier in my coaching career, you know, it was one of those things that you kept, you know, your personal life one place. And, you know, I didn't want it to impact the type of coach I was going to be, or would it be used against me in recruiting. And, you know, I just, it was tough because you, you, you give your all to your players and, and you pour so much in. And I just felt like I wasn't being extremely authentic to, of, of who I was. And, you know, I, I know my heart and I know the character I have and I, so I just made that, you know, I wasn't going to separate this anymore. And, you know, I'm just so blessed to work at Illinois State and with President Dietz and Larry Lyons. I mean, uh, one of our core uh, values at Illinois State is diversity. And, you know, they really walk that walk. It's just not talking. So, um, you know, they've really empowered me to, to have my family around, you know, uh, and anyone that goes to our games, well, maybe not this year because of COVID, but you know, uh, my kids are a, a bit very visible in our program. My wife is too, they travel. Um, so I just hope that uh, our players or other student athletes, whether at Illinois State or, you know, on, on the various teams we play, just to see a mom, to see a coach, you know, that just like Coach Mox, like you can do it. You can work really hard. You can have success, but you can also have a family and it's okay to involve your family. It doesn't have to be either or. You can have a work-life life balance. Uh, you know, I want to role model that for my assistant coaches. We work really hard, but we try to be smart with how we work. You know, uh, you know, Scott Gillespie on our staff has, has a little girl. I want Scott to be a really strong father. I want him to be visible, you know? Uh, so hopefully, you know, I, I'm just role modeling that you, you can do it all. You know, you can be a successful coach. We're trying to get successful. 
Uh, we're not on Coach Marks's level yet. We're trying to get there. We're, we're you know, we're we are successful. Well, we are thank successful. you, but we're not we're not at that level yet. We're we're, we're trying to get there, but you know, um, and it doesn't matter. Like I just, I really hope our, our athletes, you know, whatever, whoever you choose to love, whoever you choose to marry, that does not take away from the type of parent you could be, the type of person. It doesn't take away from your heart and your character, and, and hopefully that shines through uh, with with my actions on a daily basis. And Kelly, that's important if I can just say something. Sure, of course. Where Kristen just said, you know, she just wants you to see a mom or just see a wife. You know, I, I think that's like, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that's where we're moving as a society. Um, I don't know if we're all the way there yet, but, you know, for that's what you should see when you see her. Or when you see me, you should see a woman that's a coach. It doesn't necessarily have to be a black woman or, you know, first black woman to do this and this and that. Like just a woman that's a coach, you know, and that should just be, the visual that we have. Again, I think I'm optimistic in the in the direction we're moving, but hopefully at some point that's really what people will see. Yeah. No, agreed. Um, you know, and I've told I've told the both of you this that you know I, one of the things I love most about our league is that there's so many not only female coaches but female coaches who are moms. That's one of my favorite parts is getting to meet all all of your kids and get to see your kids when I get to come to shoot arounds. And obviously this year it'll it'll be a little bit different with the pandemic. So that might not be the case this year, being able to go to shoot arounds, but uh, it's just so fun to, to see the antics of the kids and what they're doing and, and then watch them grow up too. <laughs> no, I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say, I mean, I, I love having, uh, obviously my son around, but even our, our assistants, kids around Now We haven't really done that as much just to, because of COVID this year. But that's typically, I mean, they come to practice, they travel, they, you know, everywhere. I just think it adds just to your family. It makes you let, let your players know that you're human. They see a different side of you, but also you want to see your kids. We, we work a lot. I mean, you want to see your kid. I mean, and my husband at times, but mainly my son, I need to see my son, but no, I'm just kidding. But you want to see your families and you, you know, I mean, we put a lot of time into this. So I'm just thankful that we can, we can have them travel and be around for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know when I would see them, especially, you know, in a normal year when we're, our travel is very different this year, but it's just, I'm just so thankful that I, I have a wife that can travel and our kids are young enough and, you know, it, it's, it's fun, you know, and it, it just, it makes the wins a little bit sweeter and the losses don't hurt quite as much. Uh, when you see a smile or you get a hug, they don't know if you won or lost. Beckett doesn't care. He just wants to play and you talk about antics. We have a two-year-old, so he's a hot mess right now. He is, man, in confined to the house is making it worse. So uh, it might be a good thing he can't go out because he'd be wreaking havoc at arenas uh, around the Valley this year. <laughs> Amaka, the, this next question is for you and it, it kind of goes against, um, you know, you, you were just talking about, which I agree that the goal is to get to the point where we're, you know, you're, you're just a coach. We're not looking at you as a black coach, but, but the reality is you, you are the first female head coach that's black in any sport in Missouri state history, which I'll be honest, when I heard, heard that when you were, I was, I was shocked. Like, I, I was just like, how is this even, how is this even a thing? Um, what kind of responsibility does that carry? I mean, obviously I don't take that for granted at all. Um, and it, it, you know, I, it, I have to carry myself in a way that I can impact young people and impact our community, no matter what my skin tone is, but it's magnified because I am the first black female coach here in any sport. So I, I honestly, I don't, I don't view it as pressure. I just view it as, you know, I have an opportunity and an obligation to impact this community and impact um, our program and even just the rest of our athletic department. So they see that women of color can be in these positions and can carry themselves in a professional manner and can run a program and, you know, can get out in the community and affect people and, engage with people and things like that. So honestly, I, I am, I just welcome it. I embrace it. But at the same time, I really don't think about it. I just, I just want to be my true authentic self and have people like me for me um, in this community and just continue to do what I, what I want to do. And the reason why I really coach is the mentorship and the relationship piece with our players. So um, no matter who I'm coaching, no matter what their background is, I'm always going to be the same person. And I'm happy that I could help open some people's eyes that maybe were a little bit closed here in this community um, or even just in the country that, you know, women of color can be just as good as any other, any other woman out there. Mm -hmm.
Tiffany, next question is for you. And, and before we started this, you and I were talking a little bit about your entrepreneurial spirit and, and this, you, you've started your own hair product line, which is cool. So we'll be hearing more about that. This summer though, you, you also received the American Volleyball Coaches Association Diversity Award, which is only given to 26 coaches nationwide. How does that award represent a symbol of possibility for other women out there that look like you? Um, I, I'm very honored for that, to receive that award. Um, I had no idea about it. So, uh, it just goes to show like black women and people of color are just as uh, intelligent and, and versed in the sport of volleyball. Um, volleyball is more so, a, a you don't see a lot of us, you know, whether it's on the court or as coaches, you don't see a lot of black women. You may see an assistant here or there, but um, at higher levels, for sure, you don't see a lot of us. And it just shows that, how can I say this? Um, opportunity, opportunity is there. I thank Leah Johnson for giving me an opportunity and um, helping me to open doors that weren't offered to me um, while I was at Allen University as a head coach. Uh, it's given me an opportunity to network and meet other people that don't even know, didn't know my name before this award. So uh, I think those that look like me, younger women, um, they need to see people that look like them in positions of power and need to see that, uh, stay with it. A lot of us don't um, decide to coach anymore because we're not getting those opportunities to move forward and advance throughout the game. So uh, stay with it, uh, believe in yourself and build relationships. Thank you. Nine of the 10 women's basketball coaches in the Missouri Valley are female, which at 90% is much higher than the 63% who make up all female head coaches in the, in the NCAA. What kind of message is the Missouri Valley Conference sending about how they're valuing women? And Kristen, let's start with you. I mean, I think we are probably one of the premier mid-major conferences if not the if you look what we did last year and I think we're on track uh with what's already ha happened early on in the season and I just think it sends a really strong message I think you know the valley gets it um you know I, I love the you know empowered women empower women you know, that's it, like in it, it's so true and you know I think there's a lot to be said I, I think there I don't think it's a coincidence that our league has the success that it's having uh you know just going back to what Tiffany said like given the opportunity, females can do anything we want, you know, and we can be successful at a really high rate. Um, it's just given that opportunity, you know, and I think that's where the Valley schools have done an outstanding job. They have made the, I think the conscious choice of giving women the opportunity to showcase their skill set, to showcase their leadership. Uh, and I think in the past couple of years, uh, the nine women have done an outstanding job in our conference. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, there's not too much to add to that. I think that, I think that was said perfectly. Um, and I'm happy to be a part of a conference that, that does get that and that gives op opportunities to women. Um, obviously, we're coaching a women's sport. Doesn't mean that men can't do a great job. There are a lot of great men in our, in our business, but there's a lot of women that aren't even giving, getting those opportunities because they're being a little bit overshadowed by, by men. So um, I just want to see more and more women continue to shine, you know, um, we're growing and molding younger, young people that are women. So I think that if you have that to look up to, I mean, it's, it's a good thing. And again, I'm not saying anything against men. I just think that, uh, you know, there needs to be more opportunities for women across the board. Last season, Missouri Valley women's basketball saw a 260% increase in the average number of viewers per event and a 328% increase in the average number of viewers per live digital event on ESPN Plus. 
then you throw in the WNBA also saw growth in their ratings this summer. Their, their championship series was on ABC. Not, you, typically it's on ESPN. This year it was on actual ABC. Uh, the National Women's Soccer League saw an almost 500% increase in their ratings. There clearly is an appetite for women's sports. What has to be done to get women's basketball, women's volleyball, and other female sports more coverage? And Tiffany, let's start with you. I think the, the fans, I think people should demand more coverage and um, keep viewing, keep watching, uh, keep retweeting and keep reposting and just, you know, the, the amazing things that they watch. We need to just keep feeding it to the media and putting it out there, you know? Amaka. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, the more the more TV coverage we get, the more you know social media buzz there is about our sports. Um, the more people are going to view. You know, sometimes people don't know necessarily until they watch, and it's like, wow. And then next thing you know, you gain a fan, you gain a season ticket holder, you gain somebody new. So, I mean, I think um, each each and every coach needs to continue to try and get out in their community. Administration needs to continue to allocate resources and just be able to. Um, even the playing field, I guess, a little bit because, you know, men's basketball dominates. We understand that, you know, football dominates and a lot of things go there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in a situation, I don't know everybody's situation where women's basketball matters here and we do get resources, but I've been places where, where it wasn't the case, you know. So I just think that the more that's allocated to our sports, the more visibility we have, the more um, fans will attract. And then, I mean, the more our game will grow. Kristen. I agree with uh, everything that was said, you know, I mean, we do try to take more of a grassroots uh, approach in our community. Uh, but like Coach Mark said, we, we're fortunate where women's sports, women's basketball, women's volleyball, you know, uh, Illinois State does a great job of making sure we have the money to promote our, our, our sports. Uh, but the thing is, it's, it's such a great product. And that's the thing. It's just getting it in front of people, you know, uh, our volleyball team is phenomenal. Holy smokes. But, you know, they have to be on team. I mean, they need the same coverage as, you know, us or men's, I mean, because outstanding volleyball being played, but it's for all sports too. You know, I, I just think until, and I think TV is the big, the big key. And I know, okay, people have to watch it, but if it's on enough and because the product is there, you know, I, maybe in the past, maybe the product hasn't been there, but if you look at the level is being played across the country in, in volleyball, basketball, it's exciting. You know, I know the, in basketball, oh, it's not as exciting as, but the level of athleticism, the game has shifted. I mean, okay, we're not quite playing above the rim, but it's pretty darn good basketball. So I think for, for the men who, oh, if they will stop and watch, you know, I think they will be pleased. I mean, uh, with what happened in the WNBA, I mean, just that level, it, it's pretty phenomenal uh, what's going on. So I just think we have to get on TV. We have to somehow, some way to continue to get on TV, but then it trickles down, you know, now the highlights are on Twitter. So now someone's scrolling through and they see something, you know, maybe they'll be more likely to turn on ESPN or, or you know, your local channel to watch a game. And I also think what has helped um, at the professional level, at least, but even in, in, in the collegiate realms, um, is, is the, the people that have the most followers or the NBA players or celebrities, they're now bringing awareness to, you know, women's basketball, different sports, soccer. Um, you know, you see more of people trying to get other people to watch female sports. Um, so I think that helps too, because if you see LeBron James tweeting about, you know, a WNBA game or even a collegiate game, his fans are going to be like, oh, well, maybe I'll tune into that, you know, or maybe they won't, but it doesn't hurt, you know, and I think that's what helped the WNBA because so many NBA players were promoting their season this this past summer, and I think it really helped them. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I mean, Kobe comes to my, you know, with the way he, or the Oregon basketball team, Sabrina Ionescu, and, and the friendship he had with her and um, LeBron James and, and all the NBA players of the summer that wore the orange hoodie that became a big thing for the WNBA. So that's all super important. It's interesting because I, I have a friend who's a male and he, he's a big champion of women and women's sports. And he made an interesting point to me the other day is, is he said, why is it that even on the ticker on ESPN that has a little score across the bottom of it, 
you know, they put all the scores for basketball, for example, and he said, they'll put mid-major men's basketball, but they don't put mid-major women's basketball. Like why, why, why not? Like there's people that want to know those scores. Um, and so it's, it's just even little things like that that have to change. I mean, it's the same in the newspaper. I mean, it's it, every avenue of, of media coverage. You know, you can get every score of uh, a men's game, you know, you know, Northwest Washington State versus so-and-so. And you, but, you know, unless it's a, a top 25 matchup, you're probably not going to see a score, whether you go online, unless you look, unless you go to the ESPN app and all scores. And if you're actively searching, if you have a vested interest in you know, until that changes, it's just, there's so many little nuances that I think the common sports fan doesn't, don't even notice because they're so, you're so conditioned to, yeah, on the ticker, you're watching ESPN, you'll see most of the men's scores roll across. And then unless, you know, there's a couple, you know, top 25 games that of note, that's the only scores you're going to see of women's basketball. Recently, the, the Yankees hired Kim Ang as the first female GM in Major League Baseball, and it, it turns out she's the first in all of pro sports. Uh, we talked about Kamala Harris, and she'll make history officially in January as the first woman and first woman of color as vice president when she's sworn in in January. Even today, why are examples like Kim Ang and like Kamala Harris, females who are in exclusively male roles in the past, so important for women to see. And Amaka, let's start with you. I mean, re representation matters. You know, um, if you can see somebody in that position and you can aspire to it, but if you just continuously seeing men, yeah, it can be a goal, it can be a dream, but you know, it's, it doesn't really become like a realistic goal or dream. Like I just remember growing up, I, I love the NBA and I used to watch NBA with my brother and I used to follow oh, me the first woman in NBA because, you know, I, I'm sure everybody has said that. Mm -hmm. And then when the WNBA came around, it was like, what? Like there's a WNBA, you know, and it was just such a huge deal. I just remember the first game. I remember the, I just remember when WNBA started and it was, it was such a huge deal. And I was in high school, I believe. And it was, it was like, wow, so now there's something to aspire. Like now I can be a professional women's basketball player in the United States, you know? Um, well, I mean, you had the other leagues, but you know, to be in the WNBA would be equivalent to being in the NBA. So um, I just think that if you can see a vice president that's a woman or you can see a GM or you can see, then it's like, okay, well, I really do wanna do this and somebody's done it, you know? Or there's always room to be the first. You know, you can be the first, but it just becomes more realistic when you see people representing, you know, your gender. Tiffany. Yeah, I agree with that. Representation matters um, in every aspect. And it does open doors and you you feel more empowered to, to go after it. You know, um, if you don't see it, it's kind of like, uh, you, you doubt yourself. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I should. I don't know if I will be welcome, but to see that, it's just, it's amazing. And I love it for the younger generation. You know, I, I'm an adult now, but for my nieces, you know, I have examples to present to them. Like, look what you can do. Things are changing. Your future's bright. Go for it. You can do anything, go for it. Kristen. These ladies are stealing all my thunder, uh, but I mean, the representation piece, that is the biggest. I'm just, I'm so excited, uh, you know, because my daughter is three months old and her brother's two years older than her. But like, as my hope is, you know, five or six years down the road when they're a little bit more aware that, you know, the things Beckett thinks are cool or wants to do, that Emerson sees the same thing and sees more women. And, you know, that, that to me, I hope we don't have to be so intentional of the things we expose Emerson to just to make sure, hey, you know, you can do these things uh, that it's just a little bit more uh, normal, so to speak, of, of seeing women GMs or, you know, uh, you know, uh, women playing college football. I mean, how cool is it? Like we talked about, it's so cool. So I'm just, that is my greatest hope. I know we have a, a ways to go, but I think we are slowly moving in the right direction. Thank you to all three of you for being here today and just the tremendous examples you all are, not only for, for fellow females, but for your teams and, and for your communities out there. And so before we go, uh, I'll just give each of you an opportunity, any 
closing things that you want to say. And Tiffany, let's start with you. Again, thank you for this opportunity um, to share my thoughts and feelings and and shine some light on Redbird Volleyball. <laughs> we, we are amazing, you know, and I'm so, so happy to be a part of that program. Um, I think this is really big for me. You know, I, I've never experienced anything like this with uh, two other amazing coaches, even though I have coached for a while and was a head coach for, for a while. Um, this was fun. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling more inspired and empowered now after this and just chatting it up with everyone. Like, I'm refreshed. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for season. So uh, thank you. Thank you all for this. Thank you, Tiffany. Amaka. I appreciate this as well. Um, I, again, like we say, representation matters and, you know, having women come on and talk about these, you know, things going on in society or just in our game and our sport, I think it's, it's going to help people. And um, at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. So I'm just happy to be a part of this. I wish everybody the best of luck in their seasons. And, um, you know, just for the empowerment piece, I just want people to believe in themselves and don't let ever, don't ever doubt yourself. Don't let people tell you you can't do anything. Um, and just go be great. No, I just, I appreciate the value for valuing, you know, uh, moments like these and being intentional to, to, to put podcasts together like this with such a phenomenal panel, uh, you three that is. I don't know how I snuck into this one, but thank you for the invite. Um, you know, for me, I just, I know I still, I, I'm a, a lifelong learner and I, I think I learned a lot from listening. Uh, to both coaches, you know, especially with the early on with the racial piece. And, you know, I just, I want to be the best version of myself that I can be. And I know I don't have all the answers. And, you know, I, I think every conversation we have, whether it's from basketball or we're talking about social injustices or being moms, I think you learn something, you, you pick up little pieces along the way. And I think that's what I love the most about this. I just, I learned something today. I learned something from each one of you guys. And I know that, you know, after we get off this, I'm a little bit better off for it. You know, I'll be maybe a better parent, a better coach, just a better human being. And, you know, I think at the end, that's what we all strive for. Thanks Agreed. again. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> Thank you again. And uh, look forward. I, I got my ballet schedule officially yesterday. So I'm excited to call all of your games this, you know, all of, I have games at each one of your places this year. So looking forward to that. And uh, I'll just close with, a, I'll see a line from Jack Watkins when he writes in his email, stay positive, test negative. <laughs>